Welcome to the CC Broadcast, a part of Christian Crusaders Radio and Internet Ministries. This week we'll be hearing from our radio preacher, Reverend Steve Kramer, and his message, Truths to Live By, Meekness is Not Weakness. Today we're going to look at what some people consider to be the toughest beatitude to understand and believe in. We begin our worship in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's unite our hearts now in prayer. Blessed Lord, you speak to us through the Holy Scriptures. Grant that we may hear, read, learn, and make them our own in such a way that the enduring benefit and comfort of your word will help us grasp and hold the blessed hope of everlasting life given us through our Savior Jesus. Amen. Today's reading is from Matthew chapter 5, verses 1, 2, and 5. Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Man of sorrows, Thank you. 
are the marks of a heart that has been radically changed by the grace of God? Well, Jesus has the answers to that question in the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, those depending on God's grace, he says, and blessed are those who mourn over sin. And today he tells us, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. We struggle a bit with this one. We have a truth from Jesus that is completely contrary to the beliefs of our dog-eat-dog and rugged individualistic worldview. It sounds rather silly and untrue and impossible. Blessed are the meek, we think. They inherit the earth. No way. They only get run over by the world. That's a pipe dream. Everyone knows the old adage, nice guys finish last. Well, this response is due mostly to a misunderstanding of the word meek. Unfortunately, meek rhymes with weak, and that's where our minds tend to automatically go and we see the word. We think it means being wimpy, spineless, timid, uh, a milk toast, and easily pushed around. But that's not what Jesus was thinking when he said, blessed are the meek. It turns out that meekness is not weakness at all. In extra biblical literature, this Greek term meek was a word used to describe a stallion that's been tamed and brought under control. The strength is there, but now it's under someone's control. Could even describe a horse like that as being gentle, a word that's used interchangeably with meek in our Bibles, by the way. Meekness is not weakness, but power and strength now under control. God's control. Aristotle also used the word to describe the golden mean. It's the point between extreme anger and extreme angerlessness. A meek person is controlled, balanced, even keeled, only getting angry at the right time for the right reasons. Meekness was also used to describe one who uses carefully chosen words that soothe strong emotions, and also used as a description of someone who's polite and courteous, treating others with dignity and respect. So in talking about meekness, uh, Jesus is thus describing a positive spiritual characteristic of the Christian heart and soul. It's strength under God's control, submitted to God, displayed in gentleness, calming words, and courteous actions to others. Meekness is a an inwrought, God-decorated grace of the soul. And the exercise of it is first and chiefly towards God. It begins there. Understanding ourselves as dependent upon God uh, 
uh, and sinful in his sight, but now saved by his grace, we don't fight against God and more or less struggle and contend with him any longer. Instead, we trust him and submit ourselves to him and his purposes. We humbly put ourselves under his control. In scripture, meekness is often linked closely with the word humble. We humble ourselves. We walk humbly with God, seeking to serve and please him and do his will in response to what he has done for us through Jesus, because we're his. So what does that look like in the flesh? Well, the best picture I have found of meekness is looking at the picture of Jesus. His life captures the essence of meekness, perfect meekness, by the way, because unlike you and me, he was without sin. In fact, Jesus used that word meek to describe himself when he invited people to come to him and take his yoke upon them and learn from him, for he was meek and lowly in heart, gentle. He was making a positive statement here about himself and how he worked in order to encourage people to follow him and teach and and allow them to teach him, uh, teach them. He wanted them to know that he had their best interests in mind. He was trustworthy. He had not come to oppress and control them like the Pharisees and scribes did with all their rules and legalism. And he was not out to use them, pursuing his own self-interest at the expense of others as others in the religious and governmental establishments were doing. He was not one who used cruelty, bribes, or threats in his ministry, but instead he compassionately used his power to serve instead of being served. He went so far as to wash the feet of his disciples, the work of a servant, in the upper room the night before he was crucified for the sins of the world. While it's the common assumption that a person is only meek because he or she is unable to help themselves. Nothing could be further from the truth about Jesus. Our Lord was anything but that. He was meek because he had the infinite resources of God at his command. He he was God-controlled and had God-confidence. He knew whose he was and how the Father loved him and had his back and would vindicate him in the end. Therefore, he had no need to strive for power or defend himself against insults or lash out against those who sought to hurt him. He was in God's loving hands, submitted. So Jesus trusted God and moved forward, always submitting himself, his heart, soul, strength, and mind, carrying out his Father's will, no matter what the personal cost might be to himself, even death on a cross. On that first Palm Sunday, He entered Jerusalem as a king, unlike any other king would, meek and mounted on a donkey instead of a stallion. He washed the feet of his disciples, as we talked earlier in this message. When he was unjustly arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, he didn't call down his angels to save him, though he said he could have, but he would not. He didn't curse and lash out at those who nailed him to the cross and mocked him. Instead, he prayed for their forgiveness and entrusted himself to God's care. He set all self-interest aside, renunciating his power over others to calmly and meekly suffer and die for their sins. His main focus, you see, was to carry out God's redemptive will. So he's the perfect 
portrait of meekness, isn't he? Strength and power under control. The suffering servant who's gentle and calm towards others, even those who were hostile towards him. It's no wonder then that in 2 Corinthians 10, we find the Apostle Paul making his appeal by the meekness and gentleness of Christ to those Christians who were not sure they believed in what Paul was teaching. It's a perennial temptation for Christian leaders or gifted ones in the church to assert their authority by throwing their weight around and giving orders to everybody else. But Paul was striving to lead with the meekness and gentleness of Christ, we see. He also encouraged Christ-like meekness as an attitude for all Christian believers to exercise towards each other and other people. Trusting in God to work through that meekness to maintain love among church members and perhaps bring about saving faith in non-believers. Theologian A.W. Tozer says, Whether we're contesting a point, responding to criticism, or speaking of the hope within, we can do so in meekness with quiet confidence, for in back of the softness within us lies the strength and power of God. And, and in the book of James, his New Testament letter, he commends Christian meekness as the exercise of wisdom from above, which is pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Pastor John Piper, in reference to this meekness as described in John, uh, James, writes, Meekness does not mean the absence of passion and conviction and even indignation for the glory of God, but it does mean that we don't have hair triggers. It does mean that our disposition is one of being slow to anger and ready to listen as well. Here's a good example I came across about the power of exercising Christ-like meekness. NPR ran a story about a father and son that aired on the hit radio show, This American Life. The episode was titled, Know When to Fold Them, and it focuses on David Dickerson's return to the Christian household he had not visited since he'd left for college. It's 10 years later as he goes back as a hostile 28-year-old, and he tells of how he wanted to undermine his father's, quote, repressive faith. Here's how he tells it. I had all the ammunition and I couldn't wait to use it. Now I remember thinking this is a showdown because my dad and I were at war. My dad didn't know this, but I was at war with him. I was at war with all Christians and I was just waiting for an excuse to have a shot at him. So when his father innocently mentioned some mission work he'd been praying about, David unleashed his fury. He says, I just rambled on and on like, and I, like this, and I knew essentially while I was doing this, I was assaulting his dream, you know, saying some, everything he was excited about that he was sharing with me was misbegotten, a bad idea, morally corrupt, and he just kind of quietly let me do my thing and listen to me. David's father let him expound expend every uh, round of ammunition he had without arguing or, ret or retreating. Then he simply looked at David and said, David, I'm really proud of everything you've done. And David concludes this story saying, and I remember looking at my dad and I thought, I had sort of expected to argue, you know, not to win, but to come to some kind of armistice, some kind of truth, truth. I hadn't expected to lose completely. 
but you can't because you can't argue with decency. You can't argue with goodness. Now, let's consider that promise. They shall inherit the earth. First of all, it is interesting to note that Bible scholars say that this beatitude was actually taken from Psalm 37, which is a wisdom psalm that addressed life's iniquities, evildoers prospering while God's people don't. In verses 9, 10, and 11 of the psalm, there's a promise to the meek that God is in control of the situation. Those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land, it says. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more, but the meek shall inherit the earth. Now, in the Greek version of the Old Testament, that last line is pretty much word for word with what Jesus said. It's also interesting that the, the psalmist described what the meek are to be living like, looking like in, before the Lord. He says, commit your ways to the Lord, trust in him and he will act. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over him who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices and refrain from anger and forsake wrath and fret not yourself because it only tends to evil. So this psalm is telling us being meek before the Lord is about trusting God in all things, committing one's way to the Lord in the confidence that he'll use his power and mercy to do good for us and through us. Meekness is waiting patiently and quietly trusting in God with the outcome. Meekness is not giving way to anger and wrath towards others or constant envious fretting, which only leads to evil on our part. It's not punching back or insulting back or retaliating. It's trusting wholly in God to eventually vindicate his own people. The psalmist sounds just like Jesus and Paul and James, doesn't he? Blessed are the meek, they shall inherit the earth. When? Well, in the Old Testament psalm, it was referring to actual land that Israel of old was promised that they would receive their due, uh, the land that God had promised. In, in this beatitude, though, Jesus is dusting off that ancient promise and transforming it for his own purposes. First of all, when Jesus talks about they shall inherit the earth, he's talking about the ultimate future, the end of time, when he returns in his glory and majesty, and all things will be made right. And with his return, there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And guess who will inherit it? All who trust in Christ. I am reminded of a statement Paul made to the Corinthian Christians who were bickering with one another over the question, who's the most well-off, wise, and truly authentic Christian, those who were brought to Christ by Paul or those led to Christ by Apollos? And Paul admonishes them to knock it off, quarreling amongst themselves, fretting over this in regard to their new life in Christ because it was by God's grace alone that they had it and the Holy Spirit working in them. He and Apollos were just the planter in the water, but it was God who brought about their salvation and spiritual growth. So they were equals in Christ, 
these Corinthians. And Paul concludes with this truth for every believer. So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or of the wor- in the world or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours and you are Christ and Christ is God's. And later on then he'll remind them they've been made very rich in Christ, rich in forgiveness, rich in fellowship with fellow believers, rich in real life purpose, rich in living the abundant life with God who faithfully provides for them along the way. One last thought to consider as we think about inherit the earth. This is a thought that is good news for the Church of Christ to consider. When Pontius Pilate rode into Jerusalem to take up residence in the Antonia Fortress during the Passover time, he rode in to Jerusalem on a war horse, surrounded by soldiers. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem at Passover, though, he rode a donkey in a deliberate act of meekness and as a prophetic rejection of the militaristic means of empires. Of course, by the time the week was over, Jesus had been crucified by Pilate. But who did God vindicate? Whose empire still endures? Whose empire now stretches from sea to sea and to the ends of the earth? The empire of Rome that maintained its security by its military might has been swept into the dustbin of history like empire after empire, like strong man after strong man, while the kingdom of God endures and continues to grow and grow around the world, capturing people's hearts, changing lives every day with the gospel of Jesus. And it shall prevail, for his is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. At this point, perhaps you're wondering, so how does meekness come about and develop in a Christian's life? How does one cultivate it? And if you're a disciple of Jesus sitting at his feet this morning and you're trusting and committing your way to him and waiting patiently for him, then let me assure you, God has already begun to make you weak, uh, make you meek, and he will continue to help you grow in that meekness. You see, this is not something you do on your own. Only God can bring it about in a person. Meekness, as we've described, it goes against all that we are by our sinful nature. So it requires supernatural help. And the good news is that help is available through Jesus and the working of the Spirit. It's interesting to note that meekness is actually listed as the fruit of the Holy Spirit in Galatians. As you study God's word and seek him in prayer, asking him to grow that spiritual quality in you and ask you to keep yourself in, and, and as you keep yourself in fellowship with fellow believers in worship and Bible study and service, the Holy Spirit uses those means to shape and mold you, conforming you into the image of Jesus himself, meek and lowly, and you will be blessed and a blessing to those who encounter you. Blessed are the meek the God-controlled, the God-trusting, exercising humble, patient, gentle, Christ-like love towards all people, for they shall inherit the earth. That's our good news for today. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we ask today that you would grow us in Christ-like meekness, soften our hearts, remind us of the value of gentleness, Show us through Jesus how to love others. Help us to guard our thoughts and speech so that our words and conduct would be life-giving to others and glorifying to you. Amen.
Master, let me walk with Thee in lowly paths of service free. Tell me Thy secret, help me bear the strain of toil, the fret of care. Help me the slow of heart to move by some clear winning word of love. Teach me the wayward feet to stay and guide them in the homeward way. Teach me thy patience still with thee in closer, dearer company. In work that keeps faith sweet and strong, in trust that triumphs over wrong, in hope that sends a shining ray far down the future's broadening way. In peace that God alone can give with thee, O Master, let me live. May Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Keep you in his light and truth and love, now and forever. Amen. Hi, this is Matt Reister, Executive Director for Christian Crusaders Radio and Internet Ministry. Thanks for tuning in to today's broadcast. We're here to proclaim Jesus Christ as Redeemer of the world and to promote the truth of God's Word. In addition to this weekly broadcast, we want to mention two podcasts which you can listen to for free on our website, christiancrusaders.org, or on our mobile app, the Christian Crusaders app, which can be downloaded from the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store. The CC Podcast Daily Dose features short devotions from an overview of the Bible and the CC Podcast Conversations features inspiring interviews with interesting Christians. In fact, here are some excerpts from those interviews. Here's Ron Gruber, a former motorcycle gangster and murderer. But I grabbed that thing, and after I, I got myself psyched to a point, and I mean, I cracked that hammer back and put it against my head, and I, I heard it just like you and me are talking. Don't kill yourself with that gun. You kill yourself with me. This is Christian singer-songwriter Michael W. Smith. You know, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. That's one, that's, and you don't like God to humble you, and I've been there. It's not fun. I'd rather do it myself. And here's Michael W.'s fellow Christian artist, Stephen Curtis Chapman. And mm. I feel like when people say, man, your music has encouraged me in my faith journey, it always just reminds me, again, of how God can use just about anything. You know, he can use Amen. a hillbilly from Kentucky. And here's former Hawkeye and current NFL player Ike Butker. I just remember running routes. Me and this this one other kid are running routes. I don't like to talk great about myself, but I destroyed anybody that they put up against me. Like, <laughs> I, dro- I didn't drop a single pass. You can listen to those interviews and over 60 others, as well as our daily Bible overview devotion and this broadcast, along with archive broadcasts from former preachers 
Crusaders on our website, christiancrusaders.org, or on our free mobile app. Today you've been listening to the broadcast transmission of Christian Crusaders Radio and Internet Ministries. We're one of America's longest-running radio ministries on the air since 1936. We are completely donor-funded and donations are tax-deductible. They can be sent to 7401 University Avenue, Cedar Falls, Iowa, 50613, or made online at christiancrusaders.org. Thank you for tuning into this broadcast. We'll be here again next week at the same time. And until then, may God richly bless you.